right. Well, uh, if you're new, we show a little video every week that kind of um, just illustrates, whoa, this thing, I wish I was taller. This uh, shows, illustrates the questions uh, that we all have about uh, the Bible, about faith, about Christianity. And uh, this is, we're, we're, we only have a couple more weeks of this uh, series as we've been looking at the top questions that people have. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about prayer. And most people pray. Most people pray. I mean, even uh, studies have shown that even people that say that they are atheists or that they don't believe in God, generally, uh, not all of those people, but a chunk of those people will even, at some points in their life, admit to, yeah, I, I, I pray. Um, most people spend some portion praying. Uh, this is true um, across religions. It's true across people that go to church, people that don't go to church. It's, I mean, it's just kind of a... a um, a constant with humanity, really, is that we all seek out and ask to connect to God in some way. And those, those are different kind of prayers. They might be simple prayers of just, God, help me with this. They may be prayers that are only in certain situations at certain times. Um, they may be prayers that, that happen when life gets difficult. They may be prayers that happen just when we're frustrated about things. But, but most people pray. But most people also find um, prayer to be difficult. Most people also find prayer to be difficult. I mean, even if you've been a Christian for a long, long time, and even if you have grown up in the church and were taught to pray as a little kid and fold your hands the right way and all, all the different things, you probably still find it difficult to pray. Maybe because of some of the, the things in this video of, does it really even make a difference? I mean, if I was going to pray about, if I was going to pray about something and I prayed about it, and then it happened, I mean, would it have just happened anyway if I wouldn't have prayed? And maybe it's, well, sure, I've prayed a lot of things, and God hasn't answered my prayers. So why would I pray? Or maybe we wonder, isn't it kind of even arrogant to, to pray? Isn't it arrogant to ask God to change things for me? And if God is God and he knows everything and he would already know what he's going to do, can I really change God's mind about things? Could I really affect what God would do? I mean, these are some of the types of questions that we have about prayer. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't have a specific question for tonight other than just kind of this. What's the deal with prayer? Because I think there's a lot of questions around prayer. A lot of types of questions around prayer. And I'm sure I won't be able to get to every single question that you would have about prayer or even go as in-depth into the particular questions that we would have about prayer. But, but this is just a question is, what's the deal with prayer? Does God hear my prayers? Why doesn't God answer the prayers? Does prayer even work? I mean, just all these different types of questions that we have about prayer. And prayer, let me, let me say this about prayer. If you are a Christian, prayer is something that's absolutely essential to your life as a Christian. I mean, prayer is absolutely essential. You, you cannot really live as a Christian without prayer. And yet at the same time, prayer is one of those things that keeps people, I think, often from exploring Christianity because of the kinds of things that we saw in the video. So prayer is kind of this, this dual reality that it's one of the things that is absolutely essential to being a Christian, and yet at the same time, it's one of the things that often keeps people from Christianity because they say, look, obviously there's no God. Obviously, God, if there is a God, he doesn't care and he doesn't intervene in people's lives because, I mean, prayer doesn't seem to do anything. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight. What's, what's the deal with prayer? 
and we'll explore several questions. First is just this. What is prayer? And what is prayer? And quite simply, prayer is a conversation with God. It's us talking with God. And that, that probably is very basic and very simple, but here's, here's how this is different. If you explore kind of some Eastern religions, a lot of the concepts that they have are about meditation, which mainly is emptying our minds. It's emptying our minds. So often there's chance involved or there's kind of uh, a consistence of noise. Um, there's relaxation poses and yoga, various types of things to empty yourself of consciousness, to empty yourself of your own individuality. Prayer is sometimes confused with that, but prayer is very different than that because prayer is not trying to empty yourself. It's not trying to, um, it's not trying to get rid of yourself or get outside of yourself. Prayer is taking yourself, your personality, who you are, and actually engaging in a relationship with another person. It's not to exit consciousness, it's to engage in consciousness with another person. So here's what this means. If prayer is conversation with God, then what that means is that we have to both speak to God, but also listen to God, right? I mean, if prayer is a conversation with God, we speak to him and we seek to listen to him. And the way that, that when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, so I can't go in depth into this, but the way that God speaks to us is in his word, in the Bible. And so prayer is best accompanied by saying, okay, God, I'm talking with you, and now I want to listen to you speaking, to have our thoughts informed by what God says. I mean, if you think about any relationship, most people would say, oh yeah, prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is talking with God. But how many conversations do you have with somebody that only you are talking? I hope not a lot. Maybe, maybe sometimes your uh, grandparents call and you just put them on mute and you, know, you do the dishes and pretend you're listening and come back every once in a while and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then go back to what you're doing. Nobody else does that. I'm, okay, just me. Okay, sorry. Um, don't listen to this, Grandpa. Um, but most conversations are not just one person talking, Right? So most people would say, yeah, prayer is a conversation with God. And yet most of the time, I think that if we pray, it's kind of just us speaking, but untethered from, okay, I want to actually hear from the person that I'm talking with. And so prayer is a conversation with God, which means that when we pray, we should not just speak, but also listen. We should not just speak, but also say, okay, God, what... What do you have to say? What do you speak into my life? I want to I listen to you. I want to hear from you and not just talk. Without doing that, what often happens is that we kind of just can pray to any sort of God that we would imagine is out there. Because if we're not listening to him, then we're not hearing who he is and what he says. And so we are just kind of talking and thinking, oh yeah, he probably agrees with this. And yeah, this is probably great. And, and we're, not, we're not even giving him a chance to speak. So prayer is a conversation with God, which means that it's not just an emptying of ourself, but an actual engaging in relationship with somebody. And it also means that we don't just talk, but, but we listen to what he has to say. Here's just a few verses um, on prayer. That, this is just a sampling in the Bible. And these are just some pray without ceasing, 
Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And just put these up there because over and over and over again in the Bible, it's, it makes this emphasis of pray, 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 pray. But it's not because it's just some nice spiritual activity to do. It's not just, hey, you should do this because it's a great thing that spiritual people do. It's because it's a conversation with God. And if you could actually connect with God, I mean, think about that. If you could actually connect with God, I mean, if you could actually connect with God, if you could actually speak to God and God would actually listen to you and you could actually hear from God, then that's why the writers in the Bible over and over and over again emphasize pray, 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 pray. Because they're not saying pray. They're saying talk with God. God wants to talk with you. Hey, God's listening to you. So what is prayer? It's a conversation with God. But why is it so difficult to pray? I mean, I imagine you probably find it difficult to pray. I find it difficult to pray. I mean, if prayer is a conversation with God, I mean, if prayer is a conversation with the most loving person in the world, it's the most most brilliant person in the world, the most powerful person in the world. I mean, if, if, if I told you this person over here is the most powerful person in the world and they always want to talk with you, you'd probably be like, sweet, what's their number? How, I mean, this is great. Or this is the most loving person. I mean, you have a friend like that? You probably have a friend that's really loving. I hope, maybe not. But some of you probably have a friend that's really loving or maybe a parent, your mom or your dad. Really, really loving. Every time you call, they're just like, hi it's so good to talk with you. That was more a mom voice versus like just a friend. <laughs> Maybe your friend talks like that and that's okay. But you, they're just really loving, right? And you like to be around. So what about the most loving person in the world? And they always want to talk with you. Most power, and they're the most powerful person in the world. Most powerful, most loving. The smart, I mean, you've got some friends that you like to get counsel from. You like to talk with. You like to say, hey, I'm kind of going through this. Can I get your advice on this? I mean, the most loving, most powerful, most wise person in the world. That would be God, right? And if prayer is, we could actually talk with him. Why do we find it difficult to pray? I mean, why, why do we find it difficult to pray? I don't know. Next question. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a great answer to this other than I think this. I think that we get really distracted, right? I mean, don't we get really distracted? I mean, isn't our world just filled with all sorts of YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and Snapchat and what else is out there, kids? Um, I mean, there's all sorts of things, right? I mean, it's just nonstop or TV or Netflix. I mean, Friends is on Netflix now. You got to catch up, watch all 25 seasons or however much it is. I mean, there's just, it's just nonstop, right? You can be connected all the time and we get distracted and I think this happens this doesn't just happen with God I mean this happens in some of our best relationships too and there's people that are married that at one point pledge their love to this person and then over time life just kind of distracts them and they're living in the same house but just all the constant connectivity all the things going on we can just get distracted right Why do we find it difficult to pray? I think partially just because we easily get distracted. And so what what do we do about that? I mean, part of it is this. 
I think you just have to do it. I know that doesn't sound super spiritual and that's not, um, it sounds maybe a little more Nike than it does uh, spiritual, but you just have to do it. I mean, if you, if you knew that, if you knew that you would die if you didn't take a certain medicine, you'd probably take that medicine, right? Every single day. If we knew that we would shrivel up spiritually if we didn't connect with God, if we knew that, if we believed that, we would just do it, right? But I think another, another big reason, and as I just kind of look at my own life, why don't I pray, or why do, why do I find it difficult to pray? I think it's because we easily have this self-sufficiency, right? We think, I can handle life, I can take care of life, I, I don't need help with this decision. I mean, th- this is why, if you think about when you have prayed, or when you, your prayer meter maybe gets turned up, it's usually when life is going crazy, right? It's usually when life is hard, when life is difficult. Then, as the suffering increases, or as the difficulty increases, or as the pressure cooker increases, then, okay, God, I, whew, I need you. God, you got to do something here. God, help me. It's usually as the suffering, as the pressure increases, then our prayer increases, because that's when we start to feel, I need something outside of myself, Right? But what if it's true that that's where we always are? And what if we always need something outside of ourselves? Suffering highlights that and makes it real, and difficulty highlights that and makes it real. But, but the reality is that, I mean, we need God all the time. We need God all the time. And God's not just there when stuff is difficult. God says, talk with me. I mean, you know, those verses we showed earlier, talk with me all the time. I want to, I want to spend time with you all the time. I want to hear from you all the time because I'm the most loving, most wise, most powerful person in the world. So talk with me. But I think we find it difficult to pray because we easily get distracted and because we kind of just think, yeah, I mean, we, we say things like, yeah, I believe in God, but we functionally often live as atheists. And if you are an atheist, then then you're consistent. But if you're not an atheist, then you functionally just live as if there's, okay, sure, maybe God's around, maybe, but just kind of live my life handling it myself, doing my own thing, working it by myself. Prayer acknowledges God's presence. I mean, that's what prayer is in many ways. It's, it's a conversation with God, but what it means is we acknowledge God's involved in my life, and I need him in my life. So why do we find it difficult to pray? I think distractions, and I think we don't really think that we need to pray. We think we can handle our lives by ourselves. How do we pray? This is a really important question, because if we say, okay, well, I'm gonna, I want to try to learn to pray. I want to I I pray. Well, how do we do it? There's a story in the Bible where Jesus' followers, they come up to him and they say, teach us to pray. And I've always read that and thought it's a little funny because I think that um, we usually don't think we need to learn how to pray. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever asked someone to teach you how to pray? Maybe. But, I mean, I think usually we kind of just live our lives and go, yeah, I pray this and I pray that and... You'd probably think it was rude if, if you were praying and someone said, wow, you need someone to teach you how to do that, right? I mean, you would go, wait a minute, 
Prayer is just me and God. There's no teaching to this. It's just kind of my own thing. But Jesus' disciples go up to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. I imagine because they see him praying and they go, we don't do it like that. There's something, this guy, he, he's doing something we don't know about. So they go up to him and they say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus doesn't say, you dummies, everybody knows how to pray. Just talk, just talk. He says, okay, I'll do it. Which means that we can grow in our, I mean, if you've been praying ever since you were a little kid, there's probably something that Jesus still would teach you in how to pray. It means we can grow in what it means to pray. It means that there's, there's mature ways and immature ways to pray. It means that when the disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray, he didn't turn them away. He said, okay, I'll do it. I'll teach you how to pray. So how do we pray? And, and here's what Jesus' response was, and this is the most famous prayer that, that there is. This is called the, the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to try and see if I can do this again. don't know if it'll work. Set this down here. So this is, this is called the Lord's Prayer, and it's a famous prayer um, that, because it's the prayer that Jesus responded with when he said, here's how you pray. So how do we pray? Here, here's what Jesus said, and we'll just kind of go through this prayer and highlight the different things that he says. So let me read the whole thing, and then, and then we'll go back and look at it. So he says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the first thing is this. He says, our father, our father. So Jesus says, when you pray, here's how you pray. You start and you say, our father. Now here's what this means. You're talking to a person, right? I mean, he doesn't say our spiritual reality, our divine essence, our, our presence of being. He says our Father. He, he's, trying to, he's trying to make it concrete. He's trying to help us understand you're actually talking to a person. So I want you to think about your prayers. When you pray, how often does it actually feel like I'm talking with a person? Or how often does it feel like I'm just kind of speaking to the walls? Things are just kind of bouncing out there. Hopefully someone catches them up there. I mean, how often do you start your prayer and go, okay, I'm about to talk to my father. If you, if, if you knew that there was a loving father that wanted to talk with you and just waiting to talk with you, how would the prayer go? Because here's, here's what I know. A lot of times in prayer, it starts like this. Dear God, which right off the bat probably shows you you're not really talking to God. I say that because how many of you, when you just address a normal person, go up to them and say, Dear Adam, Dear John. And we don't, I mean, maybe if you're breaking up with someone, you say that. <laughs> Sorry. Had to say that. I mean, how, we, we don't talk like that, right? But see, I think we get in prayer mode sometimes, and all of a sudden it's just like, dear God, or our beloved, we beseech. And it's like, what? And Jesus says, look, I want you to just pause and know that you're talking to your Father. What, what would come out of your heart in that moment then? 
What, I mean, what would you talk about in that moment? And Jesus says, our father. So he reminds us, you're talking with a person, and he reminds us that he's a father. He's not a boss or an employer. He's a father. And now maybe you didn't have a good father, and so that image is hard for you, but he's saying, this is the good father. This is the perfect father. And this is the father that you're talking with. So that's how it starts, that we enter into conversation with God knowing there's a person that's listening to me and he's a father that I'm in relationship with. But the second thing that Jesus says is this, this weird word, hallowed be your name. And it's not a word that, at least that I use in my vocabulary, maybe you do, but he says, hallowed be your name. And that just means that it's a, it's a verb for holy. So he's saying, let your name be made holy. And he's making a statement of fact. He's saying, holy is your name. So there's, there's kind of two things going on in this prayer, in, in this line. When he says, hallowed be your name, this is a prayer that, that we come to God and say, God, I want, in my, I want when people look at my life, I want them to see how holy you are. Now, what that means is just how good he is, how amazing he is, how awesome he is. That I want, I want when people, so in this prayer, the first part is our father, and then it's God, I want people when they look at my life to see how good you are. In my life, let yourself be seen to be holy. I mean, that's part of the prayer. And then, and then part of the prayer is he's just making a statement of fact. He's saying, you are holy. Name doesn't just mean his name. It, it means his whole essence, his whole being. So he's saying, you are, you are holy. Your name, is, your name is awesome. I mean, this, this is the beginning of the prayer. It's, it's going to God and just telling God who he is. He, so you're going to God and saying, God, you are holy. You're awesome. You're amazing. And I want people, when they look at my life, to see that. I want when people look at my life, that your name would be holy. So this is how Jesus starts the prayer. Hallowed be your name. Then he says this. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And here's, here's what this means. He says, I want you to be the king in all of my life. I want you, so all of us, all of us, fight to build our kingdom. Life the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it, where we want it, our comfort, our success. We all are, I mean, we probably don't think about it in those terms, but we're all fighting to build our kingdom. And Jesus says that part of our prayer is that we come to God and say, Let, I want you to be king in my life. Every part of my life, I want you to be the king. Let your kingdom come. I don't want to build my own kingdom. I want you to be the king. I want every part of my heart, every part of my mind, every part of my decisions and my goals and, and everything I do, I want you to be the one that's in charge of all of that. Now, why would you pray that? I mean, you wouldn't pray that about anybody else. I mean, you wouldn't go to, up to any other person and say, I want your kingdom to come. Because he's a good king. I mean, he's a good king. That's the only reason you would pray that, is if he's actually a good king. 
I mean, think about when uh, election season comes around and different candidates are, um, what's the word called? They're candidating. Yeah, candidates are candidating. That's what else would candidates do? And they're candidating, right? Campaigning and candidating. There's two words. Okay, so they're doing those things. And their followers, the people that like them, they think, man, if this person gets elected, things will change. I think probably in our lifetime, the time that we've most seen that was when President Obama was first running and it was the pictures on the posters with hope and there was this big feeling that if he gets elected, there will be change, there's hope, things will be different. I think that happens every election season that we think if this ruler comes in, there will be hope, there will be change. Well, Hopefully that's true to some degree with the people that we elect into office. If they're a good leader, we hope they make good changes. But with Jesus, with God, it's way different. I mean, if, if he really is God, then we say, man, I want you and your kingdom to rule everything. I want you to rule every part of my life. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to run my life. I'm trying to be king. But you're a better king. I want you to come. I want you to get elected. I want your kingdom to get in here. So it's a prayer for our own lives to say, Jesus, be king. God, be king in my life. But it's also a prayer for the world around us. I mean, what would it look like if God was king in Denver? And think about that. If God was king in Denver, what would that look like? If God was king, in, if you're just visiting, sorry. But if God was king in Denver, what would it look like? I mean, do you, isn't that just a kind of a thought? Well, of course it's a thought, but isn't that an interesting thought to think about? If God was king here, what, what, would, what would it look like outside? What would, it, I mean, what, what would it look like? If God was king in each of our lives individually, what would it look like? If God was king in this city, what would it look like? I mean, it'd be joy, right? There'd be happiness. There'd be celebration. There'd be barbecue with homemade barbecue sauce. I mean, joking aside, I mean, that's part of why we throw parties. Because we say, when God is king, there's reason to celebrate. When God is king, there's reason to eat food and drink wine and say, God is king. We celebrate. We feast. Because God's king. But if God is king in my life, that would mean there wouldn't be any more brokenness, there wouldn't be any more tears, there wouldn't be any more relational conflict. I mean, in our city, there wouldn't be any more broken marriages, there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be any loneliness. I mean, if God was king, that's what it would look like. And so this is a prayer to say, God, let that happen. Come, let your kingdom come in my life, because I'm part of the problem, because I'm trying to be my own king, but also in the city, let your kingdom come. I mean, that's, that's part of why we start a church, because the church, the church is a sign of God's kingdom, where it says, here's what life in God's kingdom looks like. And obviously it's not perfect, but that's what we, that's what we try to show. Here's what life in God's kingdom looks like. Here's what life in his family looks like. Here's what life when God is in charge looks like. So this is... This is a great prayer to say, Jesus, let your kingdom, God, let your kingdom come into my life, into all the lives around me. 
Then he says this, which is maybe one of the hardest prayers to pray. But he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's a hard prayer to pray, right? Because we want life to go the way we want it to go. We want life to happen the way we want it to happen. We want things to work out the way we want them to work out. We want people to respond to us the way we want them to respond to us. And it's a hard prayer to go to God and say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how is God's will done in heaven? Well, perfectly, right? I mean, it's kind of like house rules. In heaven, everybody knows God's in charge, and so they all listen to what he says. On earth, sometimes we forget, and we do what we want. But Jesus has this prayer that says, let your will be done in my life, on earth as it is in heaven. And this is, this is a reorienting. It's a, it's a perspective change. Because we have a lot of things that we bring to God. We have a lot of things that we ask of God. We have a lot of things that, that we might want and desire. But how often is the beat of our heart, Lord, let your will be done. Now again, just like the kingdom come and, and just like praying that God's name would be made holy in our life, when, when we say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that is a time that we are saying, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm, I'm laying everything down and saying, I trust you. Here's a, I mean, I, I want your will to be done because I know that you're more loving, more powerful, more smart than I am. And so I'm saying, God, yeah, here's what I want, but let your will be done. I don't want to live by my own will because your will is better than my will. So it's a statement of trust. It's a statement of confidence. I mean, you would not, okay, we should not say that to someone we don't trust, right? If you just walk up to a random person and say, what do you want to do to me? Let your will be done. You probably shouldn't do that, okay? (laughs) I don't think anyone was planning on it, but just in case, shouldn't do that. But we go to God and say that because we're saying, I trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that your heart is for me. I trust that you know. So let your will be done. Here's, here's the life I live. I want your will to happen because I know that's the best will that could happen, even better than my own. That takes trust. But it's a laying down, it's a surrendering before God, which if we can live like that, it gives us peace. If we can live saying, let your will be done, that gives a sense of peace. Gives a sense of peace. That we might not know what's going to happen. We might not know how things are going to work out. We might, it, it might not go the way we want it to go, but we're still saying, let your will be done. Next is this. Give us this day our daily bread. Now here's what's interesting. This point, the, the, the prayer turns. So this is kind of the hinge point of the prayer, that it begins to shift. It all starts with God. Okay, our Father, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And now it begins to switch to, okay, I've got some things that I'm going to ask you. 
I've got some things I want to present to you. I've got some needs that I have. Daily bread is just a, a metaphor for the daily needs that we have in life. The daily needs that we have. Things that we desire, things that we want. But this is really important because the first half of the prayer, he's not asking for anything for himself. The first half of the prayer, he's not saying, God, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to take care of this, and I want you... The whole first half of the prayer is him saying, God, this is who you are. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Which is why one of the early church leaders, when the church, when Christianity first got started, he said that we should not pray to God for what we want until God is all that we need. See, because the first half of the prayer is reorienting our heart to God. By the time you get to asking for your daily bread, if your heart is in a place where you have said, God, I want you to be holy in my life, and God, you're awesome, and you are great, and you're my father, and I want your will to be done, and I want you to be king in my life, and I want you to be king on this earth. By the, I mean, if we've prayed that, by the time we begin to say, okay, here's my needs, our heart is in a different place, right? But how often do we pray like this? Most of the time when we pray, we start here. God, could you do this for me? God, would you do this for me? God, I want to ask you about this. It might even be for other people. God, I want to pray for this person. I want to ask about this. I want to ask about that. Jesus says, man, we've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. The structure of the prayer is very, very important. Otherwise, what happens is we end up just coming to God as a genie. Just saying, God, I want this. Could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Could you do that for me? Wouldn't this be awesome? And we might be asking him to do things that he would never dream of doing. Because we haven't even thought who he is, what his will is. Our priorities aren't straight at all. And we're just like, God, I want this. And this would be awesome. And this would be great. Or what happens is this, maybe even more commonly. We come to God just asking. So what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God. How many relationships do you have where you only ask someone for things? How many conversations do you have with somebody where the whole conversation is always requests and maybe thanks if they give it to you? That would not, I can, I can assure you of this. If that was the relationship I had with my wife, it would not be a good relationship. Sarah, great to see you. Could you do this for me? Uh, never mind, not great to see you, actually. Could you do this for me? 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 Thank you for doing this for me. Could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Hey, you're not getting back to me soon enough. Could you do this for me? I mean, that would not be a good relationship. But yet a lot of our prayers start with, God, give us this. We want this. We want this. And it cuts out a big chunk of what prayer is. If prayer is a conversation, okay, remember, I don't want you to even think about prayer. I want you to think about conversation with a person. So in conversation with a person, a good conversation with a person is not just asking them to do things. A good conversation with a person involves all of this kind of stuff. And if we focus our time with God just asking him for things, what happens is we miss this whole chunk. That's why Jesus says that's not where we start. 
Now think about this. The more you love somebody, how do you talk with them when you love someone? When you love someone, you speak about them. So, you know, I think about it in just um, a guy-girl relationship or something. Or a guy would write a love song or he'd write a poem and he says, you are the apple of my eye. You are the most beautiful woman in the world. You are lovely. You are awesome. I'm so glad to know you. That's what the beginning of this prayer is. Holy is your name. But if we just have a transactional relationship with someone, then our conversation is, could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? And Jesus says, when you pray to your father, start with, just like any good lover, start with, this is who you are. This is, you're awesome. And maybe don't even think about it in lover terms. Think about it in little kid terms. They often do the same thing. And they, they come to their parents and say, you're the best daddy in the world. Daddy, you're so strong. Daddy, you're so smart. I've got to go potty, right? I mean, that's what they say, right? So, I mean, it turns really quickly, but that's what they say, right? But if we start with that, it shapes what we ask for. If we start there, it shapes everything else. And so it's not that we don't ask for things. It's just the priority and it's the order. And so then he comes to this point, though, and he says, we pray, give us this day our daily bread, which means we do come to God and we ask him for things. Now, our asking has changed because our satisfaction has been established in him. Our love has been established in him. Our, our, our heart for his will to be done has been established. But do we do come and ask him for things? We, we come and say, hey, I, I, I'd like to talk to you about some things in my life. Your will be done. I want, your, I want you to be king in my life, but I want to ask you to, to do some things. And that's not bad. It's not bad to bring our needs and our wants to him once it's been changed, once it's been reordered. And here's what this means. It means that God does change things when we ask him. I mean, that to me is amazing. See, when, when Jesus says, you should go to God and say, give us this day our daily bread, what that means is that you might not get your bread if you don't ask God for it. Give us this day our daily bread is Jesus telling us, when you ask God for things, especially when it's followed this structure, he answers our prayers. Now, we'll get to what happens, you know, why do our prayers not get answered. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you cannot read the Bible without seeing that God changes things when we pray. So what that means is that God loves us and he cares for us and he wants to be involved in our lives and he wants to, to make our lives different from being involved. That he's not distant. That he actually wants to change. I mean, your life can actually change when you pray. Jesus believed this. I mean, he taught it, but Jesus also lived like that. Before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, his 12 apostles, he prayed, God, give me wisdom. When Jesus' friends were struggling, he prayed, God, help them. I mean, Jesus prayed all the time, too. 
Paul, the, the greatest you know, Christian uh, church leader that wrote most of the New Testament, he prayed all the time and asked the churches to pray for him. Pray for us. We're struggling with this. Pray for, I mean, you, you can't read the Bible and not believe that God says, that God promises, I will change things. That's part of what give us our daily bread means. It means we bring those to God and ask him to actually change things. And then it goes to this. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts, which means our sins, as we forgive those that have sinned against us, our debtors, the ones that have racked up a spiritual debt against us. Now, this is really important because the give us your daily bread is saying, I've got needs and physical needs that I want, but we also all have spiritual needs. And Jesus says that part of our prayer should be that we ask God that we bring our sin, our debts against God, that we confess them to him, and we say, God, I want forgiveness. Is that a regular part of your prayers? Not just asking God to change your circumstances, but to change your heart. Not just asking God to give you things, but saying, God, here's where I've failed. But not just that, but then we begin to pray and help me to forgive other people. Because our relationship with God is directly linked with our relationship with other people. You can't come to God and say, God, I want your forgiveness and I want your grace and I want your mercy. And yet over here, you're harming other people. You're living bitterly with other people. You're sinning against other people. And then you go, oh yeah, my relationship with God is great. But Jesus says, no, the way we pray is forgive, forgive me and let that impulse of forgiveness come out of me. Because when you see and when you feel how much God has forgiven you, that leads you to forgive other people. When you see how much God has loved you, that leads you to love other people. So Jesus says, we pray like this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Then it moves to this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a prayer for our hearts to say, God, and I don't want to keep going into sin. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. And God, protect my heart. There's a hymn that we sing sometimes that is prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart and seal it for your courts above to say he's king. See, this is a prayer that says, God, I know that I'm prone to drift. I know that I'm prone to do my own thing once again. That's why it's at the end of the prayer. First we pray, you're my father and let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And then at the end of it, we're like, and God, please help me not to forget that. Help me not to forget that. I know I only said it one sentence ago, but please help me not to forget that because my heart is prone to drift. It's prone to want to be my own king. It's prone to want to live my own life and be my own Lord and live without you. So God, help my heart. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that can be evil just in our own heart or, or, or it can be the devil himself. Protect us from the ways that he wants to draw us away from you. Protect us from the way that he wants to distract us from you and what you have for our lives as king. So this is a prayer for our spiritual needs as well, to stay awake, to protect us, 
from drifting. And here's one last thing that's interesting about this prayer. You see how it begins? Our Father. Our Father. It doesn't say my Father, but our Father. And, and you keep going and he, and he says, give us, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. Here's what this means. It means first that God calls us into a family. That's again why we start a church and that's why community is so important to us is we're not supposed to have these isolated relationships with God because God calls us into a family. That's why Jesus says when we pray, we say our father. And when we pray, we don't even just pray for ourselves. We don't just, I mean, think about this. Jesus doesn't say just pray for your daily bread. Pray for their, you guys pray for their daily bread and you guys pray for their daily bread. And don't just pray that that your heart doesn't drift into temptation. Pray for the person next to you. Lord, deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Because there's this family relationship and this family responsibility because we have the same father. So that makes Christians brothers and sisters where we're concerned for each other. We're concerned for each other's physical needs and spiritual needs. And we're saying, God, you are our father. And so we want you to be, I want to not just pray for myself, but I'm concerned for other people too, because you are. This is amazing. It's part of God's strategy for caring and loving people is having us be his hands and feet to do that with one another. I mean, what would happen if you prayed like this? I think, I mean, I know that studying this this week, I mean, I, I've got room to grow and forming my prayers around this. I, I would probably venture that we all do. But what would happen if our prayers were shaped like this? That this is the shape of our prayers. What do you think would happen in your heart and in your life? The disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, okay. Here it is. And it doesn't mean you have to recite these words like some mantra, but it's, it's the form. So why doesn't God answer our prayer? Because I'm sure that you've all prayed things and nothing happened. I'm sure you've prayed things and you've asked God to do things and nothing happened. If not, then I have some prayer requests that I'd like to ask you to do. I mean, just yesterday, just yesterday, as I'm working on this, my computer for the 10 billionth time crashes. Spent six hours yesterday from 6 p.m. to midnight working on this. And I'm praying, God. And, you know, that's a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but I'm, God, please just fix this computer. I believe, I'm going to preach on prayer. I know that you can do this. Wait, wait, okay, our Father, it was, let your kingdom, okay, okay, now, give me my freaking computer, right? I mean, and it's, I felt like that's a good prayer, like it had these slides on it. God, do you not like this sermon? Are you trying to tell me something? I mean, it had my sermon notes on it, okay, should I just scrap the whole thing? God, please, fix it, you can do it. I mean, all you gotta do is snap, you don't even have to snap, you can just think and it, boom, it's done, 
I mean, like, I know you can pray in God. As soon as I open my eyes, let it be fixed. Please, no? Okay. And that's small. I mean, I've had other things in my life I won't go into, but I mean, I've had all sorts of stuff, just like I'm sure you have, where you've called out to God and, and it sounds like you're on mute. And you said, God, please, I've got this suffering in my life, or maybe not even your life, a friend's life. I've got other people this week that I'm talking with who have said, man, I've got prayers and I'm praying and nothing's happening. And as a friend and someone that cares, it breaks my heart because I'm, God, you could help this person. And if you haven't felt that, you haven't prayed, okay? And we've all felt that. God, why aren't you answering? And I think this is one of the things that keeps us from prayer, maybe the most, is we've lived life for a little while and we've had some experience for a little while and have kind of shown, man, nothing's happening. So why bother? If you had a friend that every time you asked them to do something for you and they never, never, ever, ever did it, you'd probably stop asking them, right? And just kind of go, maybe they're not even a good friend to me. So I felt that. I was actually, when I was putting together this sermon series and all the different top questions, I asked my wife, what, you know, what's your top question? And she asked me, what's my top question? This was probably my top. Like, man, why, why doesn't God answer prayers? Especially the ones that are good. Like, I get it if I'm, God, how about a nice car? Come on. Just, you could do it. You could, there we go. Some guy just hands me the keys. Like, you could do that. It's nothing. Fly? I mean, I wanted to fly when I was a kid. Come on, God, you could do that. Just once, I won't tell anybody. But the good ones, the ones that seem like, man, this would really help somebody. This would, I mean, come on. Why doesn't God answer our prayers? Well, the Bible says a few things about that. It lists several different reasons why sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. And I can't go into all of them, but I'll tell you a few of them. I'll tell you a few. One of them, and it's probably one that we don't want to hear, but just ask that you would consider this, is that it's disobedience in our lives. We're not obeying what God says. So here's what John says in his letter. He says, Beloved, if our hearts, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And listen, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So it says, when we pray to God, God answers us. Why? Because we obey him and do what pleases him. So the converse is true then as well, that there might be times in your life that you're asking God for things, but he's not going to answer your prayers because you're living in disobedience. And I think about that just in a human relationship. I mean, if you went to a person and you said, hey, um, I'd like you to do something for me. Could you, could you drop me off at the airport? And they look at you and they go, I would never do that. I'm not going to drop you off. You go, oh, okay. And then you say, but I, but, and then they say, but I've got a few favors I'd like to ask of you. Could you help me get a job? And could you, um, could you help me with this problem I'm struggling with? And be like, wait a minute. I just asked you to do something and you said no. And now you're asking me to do things for you? That's a small little human analogy, okay? Of where we know that something doesn't seem right there. We probably wouldn't do that. 
It's way different with God, though, because he's not just a friend asking a favor. I mean, if, if God says, here's how I want you to live, and we say no, and then we go to him and say, okay, but here's how I want you to live. I'd like you to do this for me and this for me. He's not necessarily going to do that. And here's the thing. If you're a Christian, it's not because he's punishing you. It's because he's trying to bring you back to himself and say, it's over here. It's over here. When you're walking with me, that's where life is to be found. Now, that doesn't mean that every time God doesn't answer our prayer, it's because of that. I'm just giving you some of the reasons that the Bible gives. Here's a second one that the Bible says. Our motives. So James says this. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then talking about prayer, he says this. You do not have because you do not ask. So he says, there's some things that we pray for we don't have, or there's some things we don't have because we're not praying for them. That's kind of the daily bread thing. But then he says this, you ask and do not receive. So even when you do ask, sometimes you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. It means these selfish motives we have. So we might come to God and say, God, I want this and I want this and I want this, but it has nothing to do with the first part of what Jesus taught us to pray, which is your kingdom come, your will be done. It's just my kingdom come, my will be done. God, will you help me do that? And James says, God's not going to do that. I mean, if your motives are you want God to help you build your kingdom, he's not going to do that. So sometimes our motives are wrong. We might even be asking for a good thing, but our motives are wrong. God, I want everybody to like me. God, I want success. God, I want to get this job. Maybe our motives are wrong. And God's not going to give us something that would be bad for us because he loves us and cares for us. But finally, don't have a scripture for this one, but if you read the Bible, sometimes it's not that we're doing anything wrong or bad, or, but it's just that we don't see the whole picture. We just don't see the whole picture. So Garth Brooks was in town uh, whenever it was. I didn't go, but a couple nights ago, Quinn went. She went to the Garth Brooks concert. And there's one song he has that I like. And it's, I, I'm not going to sing it, but imagine him singing it. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Did he sing that one at the concert? See, it's one of his hits. Because she videoed it, so there we go. <laughs> Because it re- I'm sure he's saying that because it's one of his most popular because it resonates with people. I mean, think about your life. If you had gotten everything you prayed for, you'd probably be married to some wacko. You'd probably have a weird job. I mean, there could be all sorts of things. I mean, I am so thankful that I did not have everything I've prayed for because I don't see the whole picture. Sometimes it's just that. We don't, we don't understand everything. God's perspective is different from ours. I mean, if Garth Brooks knows that. I mean, come on. Garth Brooks, he knows that. I mean, don't you think it's true? There's things that we don't have the whole picture to. Or think about it with this. Little kids. Little kids ask for things all the time that would be bad for them. So my nephew was in town, two-year-old, blonde hair, blue eyes, adorable little kid, okay? 
Not on? There we go. Okay. So this is a weird-looking device, okay? I got this when I was in high school or something. My brother gave it to me. And if you want to play this later, you can. But this is a game that everybody holds one of these levers, and it, um, it, you press this button, and it, everybody holds one of the levers, and then you, well, just look at it. So it's shiny. It's making a sweet noise, right? I mean, it seems like something you'd want to play with. Okay, but it electrocutes you. Okay. So you take, and you guys can play this if you want afterwards, but you, everybody holds a handle and then the, the, person to, the person to touch it last gets shocked. It's fun. Okay, I'm sure no gal would play this, but guys are probably like, that sounds kind of fun. I bet I could beat you, you know. So my little, my, my, bro, my brother, my older brother had gotten that for me years and years and years ago. And then he was like, oh, you still have that? And we took it out and we're looking at it. I wasn't playing it. We were, at, we were looking at it. And the, my little nephew was like screaming. He wanted to touch it so bad. He wanted to play. And he had no idea what he was asking for. No idea. He wanted, I mean, it's, it just, it looks shiny. It's colorful. It's got metal and steel. I mean, who wouldn't want that? It makes nice noises. And he wanted it. He was praying, asking for it. Now, again, think about just the difference between us and God. We ask God for things because we think it's good, it's shiny, it would be awesome. And sometimes God says no, not because we're being disobedient or because our motives are wrong, but because we just don't see the whole picture. We just don't see the whole picture. And he's a loving, good father that says, I love you and I care for you. And I've got something else going on for you that I have to say no to this. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying that's easy. And it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me last night. It hasn't made sense to me this week with other folks I've prayed for. But I've got to think, okay, if there's a difference between a two-year-old and me, there's got to be a difference between me and an infinite God. And so I don't know all the reasons that God doesn't answer our prayers. But the Bible gives us a handful of things to explore. Is there sin in my life where I'm disobeying God? Are my motives wrong? Or maybe I just don't see the whole picture. I just don't know. I've heard it said before that God gives us what we would have asked for if we could see what he sees. That's what I did for my nephew. I, give, I gave him what he would have asked for if he would have known that electrocution is bad. Last thing, then we're done. Why does God hear our prayer? I mean, maybe, that, maybe, maybe just take it for granted. Of course God hears my prayer, but, but why does God hear our prayer? And sometimes you may hear people pray at the end of their prayer, we pray this in Jesus' name. And here's what this means. It means you're name dropping. This is something we do all the time. If you're trying to get a job, you say, hey, hi, dear Joe, I'm writing to you because my friend Josh said that I should contact you. Or if you're trying to get in the club, hey, I know the, I know the bartender, I know the, or whatever. You name drop, right? To get access. That's what in Jesus' name means. 
It means we come to the Father and we say, God, I'm coming before you, not because I'm awesome, not because I'm holy, not because I'm clean, but because I know Jesus. And it's not just that I know Jesus, but guess what? Jesus, Jesus died for me. See, we can call God Father because of what Jesus did on the cross, he brought us into his family. See, Jesus has the right to call God Father. We don't. But Jesus says, on the cross, I die for you. I pay for your sin. I get rid of your sin. I mean, that was part of the prayer. I forgive your debt again. And and now I bring you into my family. And so my father's your father. And so when you pray and you come and talk to God, you're not coming to him kind of like, okay, kind of want to talk to you. You're coming to him saying, you're my father. Why? Because of Jesus. I I get access to you because of Jesus. here's, Here's how the Bible says it in one part. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, talking about Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, Jesus sympathizes with your weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That Jesus lived on this earth and he was tempted and he struggled with all the same things we struggled with. But he didn't sin. He lived the perfect life that we should all live. And now he's gone back into heaven. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to to help in time of need. So that's saying we, we can come boldly before God's throne because of what Jesus has done. See, on the cross, Jesus got rid of all of our sin, all of it. If you're a Christian and you've said, Jesus, I want you to save me. I want you to take care of every sin I have. I don't want it anymore. I want you to be king. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be the one that's ruling my life. Jesus says, I I took care of all of that on the cross. And that's what we remember when we take communion, that his blood was shed and his body was broken so that we could call God Father. So that we could come into God's presence and and name drop Jesus and say, hey, I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because of Jesus. I'm not here because of how awesome I am. I'm here because of Jesus. Well, who is Jesus to you? He died for me. Oh, well, that's pretty important. That's how God hears our prayer. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It means I come because of what Jesus did. I come to you. I call you Father because of what Jesus did. So if you're a Christian, when you take communion, remember that. Remember that you have access to God as Father and that God hears your prayers and God loves you because of Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, why don't you pray to God tonight and ask Jesus because of what he did to make God your Father. Ask Jesus to forgive you your sin like he says in the prayer. And give you access to a new family and a new father. Where you live saying, I want your kingdom to come. And then we sing songs. We sing because God's our father. And Jesus has allowed us to be in his presence. And we give tithes and offerings. If you're not a Christian, don't give anything. But we give because we want other people to be a part of God's family.
And we want to have a place that says, God, let your kingdom come. Let me pray. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. And I turn this off. I'm going to pray this prayer, actually. And you can pray this with me if you want, silently or out loud. But I'm just going to pray this prayer as we continue in our time of worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.